Are there any good-looking podcast listeners out there tonight? Soccer dude, rockin' America. He doesn't know soccer, but he's gonna talk about soccer dude, rockin' America. Tactical analysis. Transfer news. Unlikely. Hey, that's not what I wrote. I don't really care. We're going with it now. All right. Soccer news, rockin' America. Soccer news, rockin' America. Featuring person talking about soccer lots. Hello and welcome to episode 74 of Soccer Noob Rock in America featuring Person Noob. Hello! And she's going to be helping us out a bunch this episode. Always glad to have my nine-year-old on board. Mwah! Love ya! Together, we're going to bring you mini previews of the best, most intriguing matches in the entire world. As we define that, that's a little different than most other podcasts a lot of times. Uh, we're going to have top two league matchups, international tournaments uh, from countries, confederations, big or small. If it's important where it's being played and it's a top flight match, there's a pretty good chance we're covering it. Now, this week's matches are going to cover from uh, Friday the 11th of March through Thursday the 17th. Plus... Person Noob will host her second ever question answering segment at some point. She debuted that a couple of weeks ago. Thank you so much to everybody who contributed to that on Twitter. Now, let's get into those mini previews. Match number one. We didn't any find any matches quite intriguing enough on Friday to include them in the episode. So our week will actually start on Saturday. The first match we're going to look at is from Germany's Bundesliga, where they match, max out on international berths, you know, being a top four league in Europe. Four will get to go to the Champions League. One will get to go to the Europa League. And still one more will get a berth into the new Europa Conference League. And your matchup. You want to tell them what it is, P-Noob? Number four. Hoffenheim. Hoffenheim, yeah, that's close. Versus number one. Bayern Munich. Bayern Munich, yes. Although they call it München over there. I'm not sure why we call it Munich. That's a little bit different. In any case, Hoffenheim currently lead Leipzig and Freiburg by two in the table. So they are really trying to hold on to that last Champions League berth. Things aren't quite as critical for Bayern Munich. They lead number B Dortmund by nine in the table. The series in recent years has been all Bayern. They have a lead 18-3 and 4 in the recent series. And earlier this season when uh, Bayern got the host, ouch, they absolutely whomped Hoffenheim for nothing. You can see if they're going to get any kind of revenge, 9.30 in the morning, Eastern Time U.S. on ESPN+. And let's talk about, as we always do, the hosts first. The number 63 ranked in UEFA. Hoffenheim, which, by the way, did you know, person new, because there's a connection for a show that you like here with the SpongeBob SquarePants movies. Did you know that this club is actually uh, partly owned by American actor David Hasselhoff? And so the full name of the club is David Hasselhoffenheim FC. I did not know that. And that is interesting, very interesting, because that guy plays a role in one of the movies. Yep. Now, that's not one of the movies you've seen, I think. What's the movie that you know? Sponge Out of Water. So isn't it cool that he owns part of a soccer club and he owns enough of a soccer club 
that instead of calling it Hoffenheim, like the village that it's from, that the real name is David Hassel Hoffenheim FC? That is pretty weird. Yeah, is it so weird that maybe it's not true? It's true because it's here. <laughs> it is. She has decided it is true. Okay. <laughs> All right. Well, let's. <laughs> Sorry, that's 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 not the way we planned that out. But that was good. Okay. In any case, Hoffenheim really is a small village, uh, not named for actor David Hasselhoff. Although, who knows? Maybe someday he's very popular over in Germany. He does a lot of stuff over there. Time will tell. But the village is in the southwest part of the country, only about 3,000. And in fact, the actual owner, or at least lead owner, is a software mogul named uh, Dietmar Hopp. And uh, a lot of people around Germany really, really don't like the fact that this club is mostly owned by one guy. They have a, a, a 50 plus one rule where half, oh, like 51% or more of the club basically has to be, you know, sort of supporter owned. And that uh, they found a way around that regarding this guy. He runs the team reasonably well, obviously, but a lot of people find them a little artificial or plastic compared to more uh, homegrown clubs. Uh, we have a USA connection with this club, by the way. FC Cincinnati has a partnership with them regarding schooling, uh, innovations, uh, brand and image partnership. Now, I don't know so much about the brand and image partnership, but of all the MLS teams you could have a relationship with, I'm not sure FC Cincinnati is really the one that you want to have. They've been in MLS four years, and they have stunk up the joint so far every season, not getting much better. Anyway, Hoffenheim is doing better, and especially in recent years. 2008-2009 was their first ever season in the top flight Bundesliga. In 2018-19, their trip to the Champions League, they actually made the group stage, got into the event proper. Last year, they made the Europa League round of 32. So this is a club on the rise in recent years and decades. Uh, 2017-18, as far as league play, was the best they've ever done. They finished in third place. Last year, not such a great year for them. They finished in just 11th. Very safe from the relegation zone, but nowhere near European berths. This year, fairly well balanced. I'm not sure the stats hold up that they're going to be able to hold on to a Champions League berth, but we shall see. They've got a top five uh, offense. That's not bad, but their defense is a little bit more towards average. Overall, they've got the number six goal differential. I think eventually they'll slide a couple spots, maybe get to go to the Europa Conference League. Interesting side note about the defense, though. All but one of the clubs that are statistically better on defense than them, just in terms of goals allowed, are actually below them in the table. It's a real statistical oddity. So time will tell if old noob here is old noob. Is that like jumbo shrimp? Bit of an oxymoron. Anyway, is right about the defense being enough of a bugaboo to keep them out of the Champions League. Key players to look for in this match. Top 10 in assists for them is Andre Kramaric. He is a Croatian forward. He's got 65 national team caps for his home country. He's been with this club since 2016. He was with Leicester City in the Premier League before that, but really mostly he was actually loaned out to Hoffenheim. He's just five foot ten, so he's incredibly mobile, and he is not a guy that likes to sit and wait for crosses. Not necessarily his value on set valuable on set pieces, but he likes to be moving towards the ball pretty much at all times, which in a way makes him very 
very unpredictable uh, compared to a lot of forward players. So he's really fun to watch. Their best overall or most valuable overall player, though, in my opinion, is probably uh, David Raum. Uh, he's a 23-year-old left back for them. Got a couple of goals, seven assists, so a little bit of box-to-box in him. Spent his first five senior years with Gruther Firth, which is in the Bundesliga now, but I don't believe was in the Bundesliga any of the years he was with them. They were a division or maybe even two down. Good passer. He's really great when he's focused on putting up crosses. Good at interceptions, great on clearances, which you're not going to see this guy do if Hoffenheim's going to be successful, is dribbling the ball. His success on that is very, very low compared to most guys who don't play center back as far as on the defensive side. And we've got a couple more USA connections. Uh, two USA defenders. One, uh, Justin Che. He's on loan here from Dallas. And another fellow named Chris Richards. As far as this team's current form, they have won four straight. Got, need to have lots of momentum going in to face Bayern uh, with a 7-3 and three, uh, goal differential over that stretch. We won't say tons about Bayern Munich. It's one of the world's great clubs. You probably know plenty about them. But what we will go into, uh, tied for number one on offense, they're the only uh, club in the league that's scoring over three goals per match. Just insane. They're tied for number one on offense and have, as you would imagine, the number one overall goal differential. Uh, key men in the match, no real surprises here. Number one league scorer is Robert Lewandowski. They're a Polish superstar striker, one of the all-time greats. Uh, tied for number one or no. He's all alone in number one on assists is uh, Thomas Mueller, their famous attacking midfielder. But a guy who I think would be key for them in a road match because defense needs to travel. And he's been in great form lately, uh, but not so much a star. Benjamin Pavard, he's a French right back for them. Uh, he's done some time at uh, Lille in his home country and also played with uh, Stuttgart here in the Bundesliga. He's got 42 national teams for uh, 42 national team caps earned for France. He's excellent with a lot of his defensive stuff, interceptions, clearances. He's a very accurate passer, but when he gets that ball, he's going to get rid of it right away. It's not that he's not a successful dribbler. He just doesn't even attempt them. So he tries to get the team moving forward into attack very quickly. This team's current form, 3-2-0. and As far as my thoughts on the game, I would really like to see Hoffenheim be able to uh, niggle a result out of this if you will get at least uh, a draw out of it and earn a point since they're at home. It's always fun to see uh, teams from such little tiny places do incredibly well. But Bayern has, uh, well, they haven't lost in a while, and I doubt they're likely going to this day. Match number B. Another Saturday match. And what is this one, person noob? Match number B. Match number B. And why do we call it that? Because we're not losers. <laughs> Anything more specific you could tell for anybody listening for the first time? It's bathroom talk. That's right. So number B is much more couth than number, well, the second digit. So join our revolution and join us in saying... Number, number B. B. And match number B comes to us from the African Champions League where they are in the group stage. Uh, here's how things set up. Four groups of four. The top two are going to advance to the knockout stage round of 16. And they're about halfway through the group stage. They've played at the time of recording uh, three of the six matches. Each uh, It's all going to be home and away, two-legged ties between the teams. And our matchup is number three, Etoile du Sahel versus number one, Esperance. The rankings being where they are in their group right now. And here's how the table looks. Uh, right now, 
Esperance have five. Uh, they are tied with uh, Belouise Dad, another African team that has five points. And then Etoile du Sahel have three points. And obviously Esperance lead Belouise Dad on goal differential or perhaps some other tiebreaker. Uh, these two quite, play quite a bit because they are both from Tunisia, the series between them in recent years. Uh, has gone mostly the way of Dusa Hell, or no, excuse me, uh, Esperance. They have a 10, 11, and 4 record against them most recently. But we will talk about the number three team in the table first, Etoile Dusa Hell, since they are hosting. They play out of the town of Sous, S-O-U-S-S-E, but I think it's just pronounced Sous in the Sahel region of Tunisia. It's in the east central part of the country, probably has uh, well over half a million people, and it's uh, right on the Gulf Coast. Uh, economically, they're known for uh, transportation, uh, olive oil, general food production, and tourism. Beautiful city. Footy-wise, I found a couple of seemingly competing facts here. The African Confederation rates them as the number two, uh, rates them as the number two team in all of Africa, and yet. In terms of international competition rankings from CAF, they're only considered to be number five. Either way, an outstanding team. They last won their own league in 2015-2016, and that was their first title in a decade, which makes one wonder how it is that they're so high in the African Confederation rankings. In any case, they've also won the Champions League before, so they're uh, not new to this business. They won it in 2017. They qualified for this year's iteration by finishing in second place last year in their domestic cop flight, which is called uh, the League Professional One. They had to play in the second of the two qualifying rounds. Uh, about half the teams had to start in the first qualifying round to get into this event. Some of the better ones, like these two, didn't have to come in until the second qualifying round. And there they beat a Rwandan power called APR 5-1 to one on aggregate. Based on the seedings of the teams in the group, or the rankings, I should say, uh, this team came out of pot number two. So they were expected to finish in second place, which should be good enough to get them through if they can live up to it. Their record in this event has been all draws. They are 0-3-0. Very low scoring, playing it close to the vest, just a 1-1 goal differential. As far as seeing how they're doing this year, the best thing we can do is look at their league play, and they are currently in fifth place in their group. The 16-team league has been divided in Tunisia into two groups. They're really not doing all that well. Uh, the offense has really let them down, to be perfectly honest. They've only scored six goals in 10 matches, and it's uh, they've only got the number three defense going, although that's also only six in 10. Just not a lot of goals being scored in their games in general. That's only good for the number four overall group differential for them. Uh, It is worth noting that they are in the much lower lower scoring group of the two in Tunisia. Key man to look for on the league scoring leaderboard is Yassine Chikawi. He is an American, not American, an attacking midfielder, 35 years old, uh, 41 national team caps, though I doubt he's appeared for the national team in a while because he started playing for them back in 2006. European footy fans have a good chance of knowing who he is if you follow teams down to the size of Switzerland because he played for FC Zurich for a really long time, 2007 through 15. Team's current form, a very unusual record in their last nine. One, eight, and oh. Nobody can beat them, but they almost can't beat anyone. Eight draws. It's just outrageous. In those nine matches, there have only been eight goals scored. They've got a five and three goal differential. And now Esperanza, your favorite to win the group, 
but the road is always tough. They play out of the capital of Tunis, and uh, they have some really interesting nicknames, very intimidating, because uh, they are known as the Blood and Gold, based on their club colors, the Beast of Africa. And yet, Persinoob, take a look at the crest. Who's on the crest? A a seven-year-old boy. Yeah, does he look angry or intimidating? No. No, he's got a dorky little cap on and a lanyard and a soccer ball. Uh, Apparently, he's the beast of Africa. Do you believe that? Not a beast. No, I don't think he's a beast even for a seven-year-old, quite frankly. So it's a really weird crest. But anyway, (laughs) thought we'd have some fun showing that one to person new. Now, their play on the field, though, is no joke. They are the five-time defending league champions. They've won 15 of the titles since 2001, in fact. They've also won the Champions League four times, including two in a row very recently, the 2018, and then when they shifted calendars, the 2018-19 iterations. Uh, To get to this stage, they beat Al-Idahad from Libya in the second round, just 1-0 on aggregate. Uh, They are your favorites to win this group. Their record in group play is 1-2-0. They've got a 5-1 goal differential. They are also number one in their league group. They play in the opposite uh, one to their competition today as far as domestically. And they've got the number one offense and defense going. Key man to look for, tied for uh, second best in league scoring, is Muhammad Ali Ben Hamuda, 23-year-old forward. Uh, He hasn't been with them the whole season, which makes the fact that he's one of the uh, best scorers in the league really interesting and unusual because he came over from a team called A.S. Solomon, which is one of, if not maybe the weakest team in all of the top flight over there, uh, their last place in their particular group. So he was scoring goals then and is certainly going to continue to now. The teams form in their last three, one, one, and one. Match number three. More Saturday action. And this time we are headed to the country of... Malta. Malta, that's right, where it's called the Premier League there is in so many countries. And look at this, P-Noob. They're only ranked number 46 in all of Europe. You know how many teams there are in Europe? How many? Or how many leagues? It's only like 55. So this team, this league is ranked pretty near the bottom, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Do we care? No. No, we go wherever the drama is. And this is going to be a great match. Number one, Floriana versus number B, Hibernian. See, I remember to say number B again, just for you. Uh, Here's how the table looks. Floriana currently lead Hibernians by just one. And then a Hibernians leads a couple of teams by nine points. Just like the rest of Europe, they're about two-thirds of the way through the season. So this is very much going to be a two-horse race for the league's lone Champions League bid. Floriana, we'll talk about it first. It is a fortified small town in the southeast of the country. It is, in fact, just a few kilometers to the south of the capital of Valletta. And it is named for an Italian who designed the town fortifications so, so very long ago. Footy-wise, at one time, this was the powerhouse in the country. They have 26 league titles to their credit. They last won it just a couple years ago, 2019-2020. But that was their first time that they won it since the early 1990s. And in fact, really, the vast majority of their uh, titles were won in the first half of the 1900s. Uh, Postseason-wise, they lost in the first qualifying round of the Champions League when they just made it a couple years ago, and then they dropped down to the Europa League and actually made it all the way to the third qualifying round. Not too bad. 
Last year, they were in a really bad place. They only finished number 12. Uh, This year, obviously doing much better. The offense has been good, but the defense is the reason they're shining. They've only allowed 15 goals in 21 matches. Uh, Key man to look for, tied for number three in league scoring, is uh, Kimar Reed, who I don't know if he was born there or not, but he represents internationally for Jamaica. I suspect he has parental lineage there, but is in fact from Malta, although I don't know for sure. But I simply suspect it because he has spent almost his entire senior career with nothing but various Division I clubs in Malta, although this is his first year right here with Floriana. On the defensive side, their main man is George uh, Kitanov. He is a Bulgarian goalkeeper who leads the league in clean sheets. He spent uh, the most, uh, the lion's share of his career, if you will, in his home country of Bulgaria, largely with, I believe it's pronounced Cherno More, which is one of the lesser clubs over there, but he's also played with CSKA Sofia, not too shabby. Teams current form anything but shabby. They are unbeaten in their last 12 and have won six straight matches. But if anybody can beat them at home, it would be Hibernians. They are known as the Peacocks, and I love their crest. They've got a gorgeous one on the crest. And happy birthday to you. You want to say happy birthday, person noob to Hibernians? They're 100 years old this year. Happy 100th birthday. Yeah, they don't look 100 years old, do they? No. They look great. They don't look a day over like 89, do they? No. We're not looking at anything, are we? No. No, it's an audio podcast. (laughs) Anyway, uh, the team spent its first year so very long ago under the name The Constitutionals, named for the British Party. But something or other, the party did upset the Catholics over there. And so the club club still wanted to maintain its... uh, Uh, Catholic heritage and connection, so they renamed themselves Hibernians as a nod to the Scottish Catholics, because Hibernians is a largely Catholic-supported club over there. The town they're from is uh, Payola. It's got maybe 9,000 people. It's another one that's right next to the capital, more or less. Uh, The most famous area over here that uh, history buffs may be familiar with are the Corden Tempos and the Corandino Heights. And uh, I was showing Persinub a picture of these just a little while ago. Here's a different one than you saw before. They're incredibly old, but really beautiful, aren't they? Yeah. Yeah, a lot of these big rocks, they're called monoliths. And what was the comment that you made when you saw one that you particularly liked? I want to live there. Yeah. Now, do you know where Malta is? Where do you want to go live? No. No? You want to take a look? Here's Europe. We're looking at a map. I know this is an audio podcast, but we're having some fun. Here's all of Europe, and here's Italy. You know how this is Italy? Because it's shaped like a boot. See, there's the toe and there's the heel, and it's kicking the island of Corsica. And then right below that, closer to Africa, is the very, very, very little tiny two islands that make up Malta. And Grandpa Dave, when he was in the Navy, spent some time over in Malta, so he could tell you more about it. They're actually, you know, uh, some of his stories are more exciting than his others, but his Malta stuff is actually pretty cool, to be honest. Not that they were fighting over there or anything, I don't think, at the time. In any case, back uh, to the footy. This team has won uh, 12 league titles. Most recent one was 2016-17. They've never made it past the second qualifying round in the Champions League or Europa League. Uh, This year, they dropped down to the Europa League after starting in the Champions League and made it all the way to the third qualifying round, just shy of the event proper. Last year, they finished in second place. Uh, This year... uh, Really, number, you know what, number B, once again, let's call it, really reigns the day for them statistically. 
Uh, tied for second best offense, same for defense and goal differential. Main man to look for, second best league scorer is theirs to boast of, Jurgen Decabriele. He is an attacker from right there in Malta, and he has spent his whole career here. Uh, he's only 25 years old, but he's been playing, I believe, senior ball to some capacity with this team since all the way back in 2012. So started in his uh, early to mid-teens. Teams form, they are just 1-1-1 one, one, and one in their last three, but that one was their only loss of the year so far. Match number four. Time to flip the calendar page to Sunday for match number four, where the action takes us to the Superliga in Denmark, which is the 17th ranked league in Europe. They get one Champions League playoff round berth, another one that will get to start in the second qualifying round, and then two tertiary tournament Europa Conference League berths. And your matchup, it's another classic Number B, Mitulan, taking on and playing host to number one, Copenhagen. Uh, Copenhagen lead Mitulan and Brondby by three right now. Mitulan, of course, then that means they lead Brondby by a little bit on goal differential. Earlier this season when they played the first time, it was actually Mitulan coming out on top. Nil one on the road. So can they duplicate their efforts at home? We shall see. Not much to be said. Uh, not much we can do to predict it in terms of the overall series in recent years. Over the last uh, just over 50 games, Mitoland have a slight edge with a 19-6-16 and 16 record. And since that doesn't tell us who might win, and this is the type of podcast we generally try to uh, secure a win for our gambling purposes, we will, as always, turn to our in-house prognosticator, 3,500-year-old Noob Stradamus, to divine a soccer score for us. Through some sort of drug-aided, or maybe better said, drug-addled, vision. Greetings from the heathland of central Denmark. The Jutland. It is I, Noob Stradamus, come to touch the universal infinite for the sake of divining a soccer score. Tis fine. Any excuse to smoke the lotus so as to then travel in my mind through space and time. We I awake from darkness to see the vision story unfold before me. The eels played out in the river, and Mother Eel said to her daughters, when they had begged for permission to explore a little way up the stream. Don't go too far. The wicked man with his spear will come and catch you all. But they did go too far, and of the eight of them only three returned to their mother and wailed out their story. We had only gone a little distance beyond the door when the ugly man with the spear came and stabbed our five sisters to death. They'll come back, said the eel mother. No, said the daughters, for he skinned them and cut them into bits and fried them. They'll surely come back, said the eel mother. Yes, but he ate them. Still, they'll come back, said the eel mother. But he drank schnapps afterwards, said the daughters. Oh my! Oh my, howled the eel mother, then they'll never return, for schnapps drowns eels. And for that very reason, 
People should always take a little schnapps after eating them, finished the eel spearer. Only three survived to come home. Five perished. Noob, the home team will lose today. Three to five, Copenhagen wins. I have seen and I have spoken. Match number five. A shootout, he says. Well, fair enough. That's a lot of goals. It is a lot more realistic than some of the scores he's given us, to be perfectly honest. There's a lot of lotus leaf involved in that divination. <laughs> hey, and at least you got introduced from uh, the story within a story. I recognize that it comes from uh, Hans Christian Andersen's uh, A Story from the Sand Dunes. Uh, uh, yeah, I was a lit guy in college. Uh, it's not one of the fairy tales, but um, it is just a little bit fantastical, and it is dark in some similar ways to a lot of the fairy tale, to a lot of his fairy tales. If you're in the mood for something really kind of sad the whole way through, it's a really neat piece of fiction. Anyway, on to match number five, another Sunday match, Major League Soccer. We can't rock America without talking MLS. And the matchup we're going to give you a little bit on is Atlanta United versus expansion team, the new Charlotte FC. You can see it for yourself at 4.30 Eastern time in the afternoon on Fox Sports 1 and or Fox Deportes. We'll talk about the hosts first, Atlanta. They've had some past success. They won both the MLS Cup, which is the overall title, and the Eastern Conference both in 2018. And then they won our equivalent of an FA Cup, the U.S. Open Cup, in 2019. Uh, three times they have gotten to the CONCACAF Champions League quarterfinals, including last year. And that's all tied for the best I believe they've ever done. Last year, they finished fifth place in the East, and they were out of the playoffs in the first round. They're just a couple games into the season so far. Normally, wait, wait till a little bit longer so that we know what the, the stakes are. That's what I look for usually when I'm game scouting. But we're not going to ignore MLS. They're 1-0-1 with a 3-4 and goal differential. This is a team that should do well based on the amount of money they spent. They have the most expensive roster in the entire league. Uh, so far, uh, the best offensive that they've had, probably uh, Joseph or Joseph Martinez from Venezuela, a striker. He's got a couple of assists on the year. Uh, he's done some time with Torino over in Serie A, one of their kind of middling teams, as well as the Young Boys of Bern, one of the excellent teams out of the Swiss Super League. Now, despite all the money that they have spent, they may have some trouble on assists. Here's some of the issues they're looking at this year. Uh, they lost their $15, uh, $15 million man, Ezekiel uh, Barco, who never really lived up to that hype. I think Atlanta still has rights to him, but they've sent him uh, back to Argentina. He's at loan at, uh, on loan at one of their best teams, uh, River Plate. Uh, they also lost an excellent defender, George Bello. He went over to Arminia Bielefeld. And uh, they lost a pretty darn good defender in Anton Walks to their opponents today, Charlotte, in the expansion draft. So what is uh, the big weakness potentially for this team? As I mentioned, maybe some trouble on shot creation and assists. And that means that they're new. $16 million man. Yeah, it's the third time that Atlanta's broken the record for a signing. Uh, a lot is going to fall on the shoulders or at the feet, I should probably say, of uh, Tiago Amedo from Argentina. We'll have to see how he does, young fellow. Uh, most projections that I've seen, it all depends on how much you value, value the money. Have them anywhere finishing from number B in the East, probably at 
probably losing out to New England, all the way down to seventh. But regardless, they should be a playoff team. And then their guests, who will probably struggle mightily to stay out of last place, let alone reach the playoffs, such as the fate of nearly all expansion teams, of course, is Charlotte FC. I like I don't mind the name Charlotte FC. It says what it says, but I know one of their naming finalists had something to do with like Mid-City FC or something like that. And in fact, their largest supporters group has decided to go by the name Mint City. I think that's really cool. Also, what was really cool, if you follow MLS at all, MLS at all you probably heard, but they pulled a MLS record 75,000 fans for their inaugural match where they got to uh, play LA Galaxy. Hasn't gone too well too far, though. They're 0-2 on the year, haven't scored, have given up four goals. Uh, really interesting development with them early in the season. Uh, I was only going to look for key acquisitions or who their best players were, but they actually lost a player before the season started. They worked out a deal to get midfielder, Australian midfielder Riley McGee to Middlesbrough, which is a pretty darn good second-level team in England, plays in the championship before the season even started. So what have they done with some of that money? Well, their key man would look to be, at least on the offensive end, the $5 million Polish striker, Carol Swidarski. Uh, they got him uh, from uh, PAOK, which is one of the uh, big three teams over in Greece. And then, of course, as we mentioned, Anton Walks. Not only is he a good defender, but he's actually going to be one of the few players on this team starting out that really has any MLS experience at all. Oh, dear kittens, do not cry. Do you need food, water? Oh, I understand now. A recap of last week's matches that we talked about. Let's give them their recap. Saturday match number one for Major League Soccer. Early in the season, of course, Sporting Kansas City played host to rival Houston Dynamo. KC came out on top 1-0. Continuing his fine early season form, Remy Walter had a goal. Match number B was from the Serie A Femenil over in Italy. Number one, Juventus took on number B, Roma. The result was a 1-1 draw. That's a fine result for Roma because Juventus has been pretty much unbeatable since winning the league four years ago. Uh, nevertheless, they uh, remain in the same uh, table positions, of course. Match number three was the League Cup Final for the English women's teams. We had no international berth on the line, but a nice shiny trophy up for grabs between Man City and Chelsea. And it was Man City coming out on top in Wembley with a 3-1 victory. Congratulations on the hardware. Match number four, we took a glance at the Premier League of Grenada out in the Caribbean between number B Paradise and number one Hurricanes. And the result was a nil-nil draw. Uh, match number five from the African Champions League group stage. We had number three, oddly enough, in their group, all eight. We only the top two get to move on from the group. Taking on number B, Almeric, out of Sudan. And the result was a desperately needed win for Al Ali, 3-2. to two. Uh, Merrick had come back from 0-2 down to nearly, uh, you know, really get back into this thing, but then they gave up an own goal in the 76th minute. Sunday, match number six from Liga MX. Number one, Pachuca took on number three, Tigres UANL. And that match was postponed because of the horrible stuff you probably heard about from about a week ago that took place at the uh, Queretaro uh, Atlas match. All those uh, fights that took place in the stands and on the field. Very sad situation. And thusly, we will move on from it. Match number seven from the Premier League in England. Number one, Man City took on number four, Man United in their derby. I won't say derby because that's not what that battle is. In any case, Man City doesn't care how it's said. They won four to one. And that knocked 
uh, Man United down to fifth place and out of their curious Champions League spot. Match number eight, we went back to Italy. Serie A, the men's side, number one Napoli, took on number B, Milan, and the result was a Milan win. Nil one. Man of the match was the guy we said to look for, Theo Hernandez, and that moves Milan up to number one, and Napoli down to number three in what has been a very tight three-horse race between those two and Internacional. Tuesday brought us match number nine from the Champions League, UEFA. Bayern Munich taking on Salzburg. Salzburg had entered an impressive and surprising 1-1 draw at home in the first leg. Yeah, not so much so for the return trip to Germany. Munich won 7-1. I think Lewandowski had a hat trick within the first, like, uh, 20 minutes. In any case, uh, so Munich does go on to win by 8-2 on aggregate and will advance to the next round. And match number 10 for Northern Ireland's premiership number B, Glentoran, took on number 3, Cliftonville. Another tight three-way race, just like in Italy. The result was a Cliftonville. Yay, that's who we were rooting for. Nil, one win. Uh, so they switched positions positions in the table. And then your bonus matches with explanations on these coming up later in the show when we do them again. Sunday's route of the week came from Africa. Country of Guinea, League One, was to be between number one, Haroya, and last place number 14, Olympic Flame, but that match got postponed. Not sure why. The most meaningless match in the world was a Wednesday match, also in Africa. We slid on over to Kenya, and number nine, Talanta, took on number eight, Bandari, and Bandari won nil two, and it didn't mean a thing. There was no change in table position. That's how it goes with the most meaningless match in the world. And then finally, the match of Disappointed was a Saturday match for the A-League men from Australia. Number 11, Central Coast Mariners took on last place, number 12, Brisbane War. The Mariners won it 2-1, and that moves them up to number 10. That concludes your recap of last week's matches, Kittens, if I may refer to you as such. Maybe not. That's a little creepy. In any case, let's drive back, dive back into the upcoming week's match previewing with... Match number six. And believe it or not, that is it for the weekend. You get Monday off New Bites, and we move on to Tuesday for the big one. UEFA round of 16 action, the second leg of the home and away two-legged ties. The most intriguing match to us looked like it was going to be Ajax versus Benfica. So we've got the Dutch taking on the Portuguese. Uh, leg one was in Portugal, of course, and uh, they played to a 2-2 draw. They've only played a few times in recent years, and Ajax have had the best of it with a 2-2-0 record. You can catch this one, by the way, on Univision Now or Paramount Plus for English at 4 p.m. Eastern Time on Tuesday. Ajax playing out of Amsterdam. They are the number 14 ranked club in all of Europe. This despite the fact that, not that it's a poor ranking, but the uh, Eredivisie, the top flight in the Netherlands, is actually ranked just number seven. Uh, this team has won four Champions League titles, but none of them this century. 1994-95 was the last time. Uh, 2018-19 season, they made the semifinals. That's the best they've done in a while. In fact, they hadn't been past the group stage, to be honest, in ages. So uh, this is a real move in the right direction for them here in the 2020s. They are the league defending champions, and they are currently in first place as well. And why not? with the number one offense scoring almost three goals per match. In major European leagues, when you can do that, that is really something. And the defense, they've only given up 11 games in 26 matches. And there are a couple other really good teams in this league. 
As far as this event, they finished in first place in their group stage with a perfect 6-0-0 record and an astounding 20-5 goal differential. The men that are making it happen, number one scorer in their league, Sebastian Holler. He is a forward, French-born, but he reps for uh, Ivory Coast, I believe. He's done some time with uh, West Ham in the Premier League in Frankfurt over in Germany. And then number one on assists is their veteran Dusan Tadic, Serbian forward. He's 33 years old, actually, so born in Yugoslavia, but now reps for Serbia. And Premier League fans should recognize his name. He spent four years with Southampton before coming over here a season or two back. And then, we don't want to ignore the defensive side, must have been something of a late bloomer because I don't think he's ever gotten any national team work whatsoever, maybe not even at the youth level. Remco Pasvir, homegrown, 38 years old, and he is just shutting down this league with it was seemingly very little difficulty. Team's current form, they have won three straight with a 7-5 and five goal differential, so maybe just the tiniest bit leaky on the defense. Can Benfica take advantage? The Eagles playing out of Lisbon. Uh, they have won the Champions League twice, but you've got to go all the way back to the 1960s for that. Uh, last year, give you some recent history. They made the third qualifying round, dropped down to the Europa League, and then got uh, kicked from that in the round of 32. This year in the Primera Liga, they're uh, doing pretty much the same as they did last year. They're in third place currently. Uh, Champions League quarterfinals is about as far as they ever go. They get that far with some consistency and then always run into somebody's buzzsaw. Um Portugal's uh, Primeira Liga is not quite rated highly enough that they get to send even three teams straight to the group stage. Uh, Benfica had to play in the third qualifying round. They finished number two then in the group stage and went to perfectly even 2-2-2 two, two, and two there with a 7-9 and nine goal differential. So there's that leaky defense once again. Maybe we'll get another shootout. That's really the reason I picked this one. I wanted a match that uh, was close in leg one and had the most goals. Just more fun to watch, quite frankly. Likely man of the match candidate, should they win, is going to be Darwin Nunez, Uruguayan striker, just 22 years old. Enjoy him while you can, Eagles, because he is not long for Portugal. Most recent rumor uh, that seemed credible that I was able to find attaches him to uh, Liverpool, but other teams have uh, been very much on the hunt for him recently. Uh, Newcastle and Arsenal, also in the Premier League, of course, and then Atletico Madrid over in Spain. He is incredibly quick and fast. I don't know if he's the most technical player in the world, but he could just create instant separation and then he can hold it. So that's what you want to be looking for out of this guy when you're watching it on TV. And then helping him out, number one in league assists is Rafa Silva, who plays attacking midfielder for them. Team's current form, they are 4-3-0 in their last seven. Match number seven. In the mood for a little bit more Tuesday Champions League action? Well, why wouldn't you be? But we're going to switch associations and jet set on over to Asia, where the Champions League there is actually not formally started. They're still having their qualification finals. This is the playoff round. Basically, here's the setup. 14 teams are left. They're playing uh, seven matches between them in Qatar, so just one for each pair. Neutral site, the winners get to move on to the 40-team main event of the CL. The one we've chosen to look like uh, to look at is the one that uh, could be the biggest blowout, at least on paper in a certain regard, and yet might produce the best chance for a really big upset. You'll see what I mean momentarily. We're looking at Al-Tawun, who on paper are your own team. They're out of Saudi Arabia, and they're taking on Al-Jaish out of Syria. 
We'll talk about Taoun first. They are known as the Wolves. At home, they play out of the city of uh, Boraida, which is in the north central part of the country. Yeah, probably about three quarters of a million people in the major metro area. It's an area largely still known for its agricultural production, uh, particularly dates. If you're into really weird, fun festivals, look up happenings on your Google machine from the world's biggest date festival down there. And not dates as in, well, it's dates as in the fruit. You get it. Anyway, they have only been playing Division One ball since 2010-11, yet they have made the Champions League uh, twice Uh, 2020, they made the round of 16. That was the better of their two finishes. As far as league play, they play out of the Saudi Pro League, which is the second best league in the western half of the AFC. Falls right behind uh, new number one, uh, Qatar. Uh, 2018-19, I believe they finished in third place. Might have been second. Take that with a grain of salt. But in any case, that's the best they've ever done. They've never won the league, even though they've been in the Champions League a couple of times. Last year, interestingly, they only finished in fourth place in the Saudi Pro League, which should have meant that they weren't going to really get to go anywhere or maybe have to go to the AFC Cup, the secondary tournament in Asia. But the team right ahead of them, all Itihad, could not get an AFC Championship license. That happens quite a bit in Asia, to be perfectly honest, depending on where you are. And so their berth dropped down to the number four spot, and here they are in the qualification rounds. This year in the Saudi Pro League, They are currently in 12th place, so they better enjoy their stay in the Champions League while they can because unless they somehow magically win the whole thing, uh, they ain't coming back next year. The problem is defense. Their, uh, Their offense is a little bit above average, but their defense is the worst, and it's not even particularly close. They're starting to flirt with giving up two goals per match. The best all-around player that they have is one you may recognize if you're an MLS fan, Alejandro Romero out of Paraguay, central attacking midfielder. A blast from the past for New York Red Bulls fans specifically. He spent four years there before coming over here. Three goals, two assists. Uh, He's really great with certain aspects of his passing. If it's an important pass, then yes. But if it's regular pat, just regular run-of-the-mill midfield passing, he tends to suffer a little bit on his accuracy. He's a fantastic dribbler, pretty decent tackler, but he offers basically nothing on the defensive side. He's almost like another forward. As far as this team's form, kind of interesting. They have managed only draws in their last three. And now looking to see if they can pull the mighty upset because their league is ranked dead last out of the 12 in the western half of the AFC. Out of the Syrian Premier League, it is Al-Jaish, known as the Army. In fact, I think it might literally translate to that. They play out of the capital city of Damascus. They have won their domestic league title 17 times, and a bunch of those have been recent, not the last couple of years, but 2014 through 19, they won all of them. Uh, They won the AFC Cup, the secondary Asian tournament I mentioned, in 2004, but they've made just two Champions League appearances. They were a team that probably had trouble getting a license back in the day, or the league may not have been rated highly enough that they got to send anybody to the Champions League. They may have just had to go to the AFC Cup. Uh, Either way, let's look at the league play. 2021-22, they're in fourth place right now. Very well-balanced team, top five offense and defense. Uh, They've got the number one league scorer. So if Tawun can shut him down, this is going to be a really defensive affair. Uh, Mohamed Alwakid, nobody's close to him. He's got 13 goals in 16 matches. He's a veteran attacker, 36 years old, yet he's never really played outside of this region. 
this team's current form, 2-1-0 and with a 3-1 and goal differential. This might be my favorite match for a recap next week. Match number eight. Just because we're turning the calendar to Wednesday does not mean we are done with Champions League action. I hope you didn't unpack your figurative luggage because we're off to Conmebol. Yeah, South America. They're also having their qualification final, but... Because it's not playing like the Asian one in a neutral site, they've been doing a home and away two-legged ties for these. And this is the second leg in the third and final qualifying round. Here's how things have worked. There were six teams that had to start way back in a preliminary round. The three winners joined 13 others for a round of 16. And now the eight that advanced from there are vying for just four spots in the Champions League. Your teams that we're going to look at, Estudiantes de la Plata out of Argentina and Everton CD out of Chile. Uh, The first leg did go the way of the Argentinians. They won nil one on the road and looking to close things out at home. You can see this one on BN Sports or BN Sports in Espanol at 6.15 Eastern Time. And why not? Should be a good one. one. Try that again. (laughs) <laughs> Estudiantes de La Plata. Uh, La Plata is the name of the town they play out of, and it is actually the capital of the Buenos Aires province. Now, you might be saying to yourself, noob, Buenos Aires is also a city. Why isn't it the capital? Well, it's actually a federalized city now. Think of it as quasi-like Washington, D.C. In any case, La Plata is on the uh, east-central coast of the country. There's a ma- uh, metro population of maybe just a little bit over a million people. Uh, one of the reasons I picked this one, they've got just an awesome nickname, uh, Pincharatas, uh, which means rat stabbers. Yeah, they often go simply by uh, La Pincha. Um, the reason for this, I don't have the full story, I don't think, because I'm not sure who the guy was in terms of affiliation with the team. But there's a guy that's been photographed from like you know, way back in the, like the 1920s uh, who was always seen chasing rats in the market. And I, again, I don't know if he was a player, what his affiliation was, but he was commonly seen with players from the team chasing rats around and trying to catch them or stab them um, around the city market. So uh, I got to think that they, their only t- team nicknamed uh, Pincharatas perhaps in the entire world. Uh, more footy related, they were the first team outside of the big five historically in Argentina to ever win a league title. Internationally, uh, they have gone above and beyond merely winning league titles. They've won four Champions Leagues. They won all three between 1968 and 70, and then much more recently again in 2009. They are currently the number 34 ranked team in all CONMEBOL, which of the teams that made that made it to where we're in the second qualifying round, that put them as the third best one. So they're your favorites. Uh, they qualified for this event by finishing in sixth place in last year's uh, Premier Division, the top flight there in Argentina. And that uh, position barely got them here. They are, in fact, the only Argentinian qualifying club that didn't get to go straight to the group stage. Uh, in advancing this far, last qualifying round, they beat a different Chilean team, Audax Italiano, uh, which was ranked number 152. Uh, they were probably the most average team of the qualifying ones remaining. They beat them 2-1 to one in aggregate. This year, in one of the two sort of league seasons there, the Copa de la Liga Profesional in uh, Argentina, it's very early in the season, but they are in first place after five matches. In their 14-team zone, because the league divided into two for this event, they have the number one offense scoring over two goals per match. 
and an incredibly leaky defense. And despite that, they're number one, but they're only tied for 10th on defense. Really awful. Uh, tied for number one in league scoring, and they need everything they can give him, is their uh, 36-year-old veteran striker, Mauro Bosselli. And yes, we had an MLS reference last round. This time, you get a La Liga reference. Yeah, he was with Leon from 2013 through 18. So Mexican soccer fans may well know his name. Uh, Current form for this team, they are 3-1-0 in their last four with a 7-3 goal differential. And now Everton CD, they've got another interesting name, the Roulette Players, although the history isn't quite so unusual as uh, the Rat Stabbers. Uh, Vina del Mar, the city they play in, is a gambling resort, and uh, I don't know why they chose like Roulette over Poker or Blackjack, but Roulette Players sounds pretty cool. Uh, this is the fourth biggest city in the country, has maybe four or in the region, has maybe 400,000 people. Uh, by the way, the City Casino, because I have a bit of a thing for those, is, uh, is in Art Deco style. It is really classic and classy. Plus, it's surrounded by gardens, as a lot of the major structures in this city are, because, in fact, uh, Vina de la Mar is known as the Garden City. The uh, Chilean top flight uh, by the source that I use, Kick Algorithms, rates them just number seven in Commable, so not in the top half of South America, and that's reflected in their club ranking. They're only rated number 165 on the continent. They've only made two cha uh, Champions League appearances ever, and I keep saying Champions League, but I should be saying Copa Libertadores. I apologize, the Spanish name for it. Uh, 1977 and 2009. Um They've been to the Copa Sudamericana, which is their secondary tournament or their version of Europa League. Been to that twice recently, but they've always been out in the first qualifying round. They qualified for this event not through league play, but by finishing as the runners-up in the FA Cup, the Copa Chile. And that's why they had to enter in the second qualifying round, where they advanced by pulling a, a slight upset, I'll call it. Uh, Venezuela soccer isn't the strongest, but Monagas is a pretty decent team. And uh, they went down 3-1 to one, uh, to Everton CD. As far as the current Primera Division, they are currently just in 10th place, but it is very early. Their goal differential is perfectly even 5-5, five and five. and looking at the rest of the league comparing, uh, that really means that the offense has been the problem. Hasn't been for one particular guy on the league scoring leaderboard is Lucas Diorio, a homegrown a center forward who is on loan here from, yeah, another Liga MX team, Pachuca. As far as the team's current form, not looking real great, to be honest. 0-2-2 oh, two two with a 2-3 and three goal differential. I think that the home team is going to be able to close this out. Match number nine. More Wednesday action. We switch confederations once again. We're headed back to Europe. The Premier League, England specifically, where the big matchup this week is number four, Arsenal, trying to hang on to a Champions League slot, taking on number B, Liverpool. And that's all you'll get out of me out of that because this late in the podcast is when we traditionally uh, take a break from the footy to learn something uh, more culturally oriented. Now, normally that's a food from the area where the home team is from. But we've done England a couple different times somewhat recently, so I went in, in search of something completely different. And as a guy who used to do some theater, this caught my eye. Now, uh, the north central suburb of, I'm going to pronounce it Islington, 
it suddenly occurs to me it might be Islington. So Anglophiles, forgive me if I'm getting it wrong. I'm going to go with the Islington pronunciation. Uh, North Central suburb of about a quarter million people and uh, maybe not entirely unique to the London area, but it is full of small theaters. Uh, there's all kinds of uh, off West End productions that go on. There's a lot of fringe theater uh, groups and houses and also the second oldest pub theater, which I've never been to a non-movie theater, pub theater, if you will, uh, the UK. They've got the second oldest one. But uh, the one that caught my eye the most, probably because of Person Noob, is the Little Angel Marionette Theater there in Islington. It's internationally known uh, predominantly for its touring shows, but uh, they still do have a regular home base. And uh, as I read just a little bit about it, one of the reasons it really caught my eye is perhaps the most uh, famous actress that has worked there. Not that she's famous with a capital F, but a gal named Sarah Burgess. Um, she is mo she has done work here, I think, multiple times. And she is most famous for uh, helping portray Phoebe Furchester Fuzz. That's a hyphenated last name on a spinoff of Sesame Street that I had never heard of before called the Furchester Hotel, which is uh, produced by or for CBBs, which is the BBC's uh, children's uh, television production uh, wing. Basically, uh, Elmo and Cookie Monster, I think, are the only two major American Sesame Street characters that cross over from it. Obviously, the Phoebe Furchester fuzz is uh, specific to this because the name of the show is the Furchester Hotel. And it is a half-star hotel that is depicted as a very colorful but very shabby, tall, falling-apart hotel <laughs> that is... Uh, is at a T intersection of two much fancier streets. And the whole show is all about the guests that come in and the problems that arise and all these characters uh, wanting to solve them. I don't think that person who would watch it with me just to check it out. She's probably just a touch too old for Sesame street, but not nearly old enough for a quasi nostalgia factor. But anyway, let me give you a little taste of the theme song before we move on at least. Number 10, we're done. Finally! Thank you for the countdown duties, Person Noob. You've done wonderfully as always. And guess what? We have a little bit more Champions League action to get to. This time, we're finally returning to the one closest to home. CONCACAF Champions League, but no American teams from the ones we're going to look at. We have Montreal out of the MLS, and they're going to play host to Cruz Azul in leg number two of their quarterfinal two-legged tie. Cruz Azul won their home match 1-0. Time to see if Montreal can return the favor. You can see for yourself at 9 o'clock Eastern time on FS2 and TUDN. Uh, Montreal. Uh, 2014 in this event, they finished uh, runners-up, and that's the best they've ever done. Last time they appeared was in 2020, and they made the quarterfinals. They qualified by winning the 2021 Canadian Championship, which is Canada's FA Cup. That's basically just a reminder to tell you that the Canadian teams that are in MLS cannot qualify through MLS League play, only the American teams. 
And they didn't get particularly close in MLS play had they been eligible. They were only in 10th place in the East last year. Nevertheless, it seems to be a year for not only a U.S. men's national team against Mexico, but for American teams against Mexican clubs. They beat Santos Laguna last round 3-1 to one on aggregate. Uh, key players to look for, in my opinion. Uh, first of all, Romel Kyoto. Uh, he plays center forward. Uh, he's out of Honduras. He used to play a lot of winger. In fact, I think he did uh, until before he came over from Houston in 2019. So he's quite versatile. And then their central attacking midfielder, Jordi Mihailovic. Uh, they just got him from Chicago, and he's just 23 years old. Quite frankly, I was a little surprised to see they were uh, – able to get him, no matter how much uh, general allocated money or uh, whatever TAM is, some kind of allocated money for him. And now we'll talk about Cruz Azul. This is Persanoob's favorite team in Liga MX because they used to be uh, a cursed team. They did well internationally, but always had trouble winning league titles domestically, but they just got one recently. Anyway, they've got uh, three different nicknames that I like for different reasons. Uh, the Machine, the Cement Makers, and the Hairs, and that is H-A-R-E-S like rabbits, not like hairs on your head. They have won six Champions League titles. Most recent one was 2013-14, but they are not exactly a power this century, even internationally. Their other titles were all back in the 1970s and 1990s. They qualified for this event by breaking that curse and winning the Apertura last year. This year in Clausura play, they are currently in sixth place. Offense has been good. Defense has been flat out below average. That seems to be a theme for a lot of clubs uh, this particular episode. Uh, nevertheless, the scoring they are getting is due to a man who's on the scoring leaderboard and tied for second place in assists. Basically, he's been involved in every goal they've had. Carlos Rodriguez, Mexican midfielder. He had spent his entire senior career with Monterey until this season, and he's made nearly 30 appearances for the national team. Started playing for them in 2019. Uh, Cruz Azul's current form, they are 1-1-2 in their last four with a five and that leaky defense, seven goal differential. I think this is the year for American or even uh, let's call them an adopted American team since they're MLS. I like Montreal to be able to win this one, uh, probably 2-0 or even 3-0. I don't trust Cruz Azul's defense. Sorry, daughter person noob. This is Person Noob here today with questions will be answered today. Today, my dad's going to be asking me some of you y'all's questions. Uh, let's go. All right, super. Yes, we asked on uh, Twitter, by the way, uh, a reminder that our handle is Soccer Noob USA. We would love to uh, hear from you always with your questions, which I will never answer. I will never answer a single question, will I? Unless I have it for you. Well, yeah, if you have a question, I'm, I'm your dad. You can ask me a question anytime. But the question answering segment is yours. Questions will be answered. Pause. Today, which you came up with the name, and I'm really proud of it, by the way. I love it to death. All right, so uh, we had several questions submitted to us from our friends on Twitter. Uh, some of these for, were from the two co-hosts at uh, the Bryant and Me podcast, which is uh, one of my very favorites. Here are some things they want to know. And by the way, these aren't real soccer-oriented for the most part. I think they want to get to know you. They hear your contributions to the show, but they want to know things like, um, oh, I'm not sure about this first one. How much does your dad pay you to do this podcast? 
I give you 100% of the profits. Would that be one way to put it? No, I shouldn't be answering. You answer the questions. Uh, $0, but eventually I will charge you. <laughs> and it won't matter whether the show is making money or not. You're just going to start billing me? Once we once we start getting money, yes, I'm going to bill you. Gotcha. How much would you charge to be a guest, make guest appearances on other people's podcasts? Depends. I'll take... If it's like a big podcast, I take ten Lindor chocolates, three dollars. And then if it's like a smaller podcast, like our podcast, probably like one dollar and five Lindor chocolates. Five hundred chocolates? No, five Lindor. Oh, chocolates. five Lindor chocolates. That is a very specific, non-traditional unit of currency. But you know what? I'm down with that. All right, moving on to our next question. They want to know. M&M's or Skittles? Oh, I'd have to say uh, M&M's. Oh, you, I heard you start to form the S. This was a hard one for you. Did you have a, why do you prefer Skittles? Do you have anything you want to add to that? I said M&M's. Oh, M&M's, sorry. <laughs> well, I think that, I think that Skittles are just like, sour and like crunchy then m&ms like softened the crunch with like a chocolatey flavor i see so it's a textural issue you like the you like the uh, crunchiness mitigated yes would be a good word for it okay next question do you have any homework today uh probably not today but i think i think this question would be best answered i'll leave it to you though to talk about your ongoing current math project. You finished your social studies project on the sedan, which had no soccer in it, by the way. I'm, I need to talk to your teacher about having that as a requirement. But um, uh, tell us, what is the status of your pizza fractions project, and should you be working on it right now? Probably not, because I'm like, I'm almost done with it. Uh, my pizza project, you have to make a pizza out of something, but it can't be real food. And then you have to, to like slice it into eight or more pieces. And then you have to put, di put different toppings on, uh, for the pizza to where like, say I had two slices of pepperoni and then I would say two eighths pepperoni. So I could, I could do that with any topping. Gotcha. Now, a lot of people, I'll, I'll do a follow-up question here since we've chosen to go this route. Pineapple on pizza, and I know the answer to this. Are you are you pro or anti pineapple on pizza? Pro. Bro, what's your favorite pizza in the whole world? Pineapple and sausage. Oh, yeah. We like the Domino's. This segment is brought to you by Domino's, who aren't giving us anything because they didn't know about it. But we're still sponsoring them. Yeah, or they're yeah maybe we're sponsoring them. Who knows? Yeah. What's something that your dad says that embarrasses you and remember we can't do like 10 hours for all the embarrassing things that i probably say <laughs> okay so i think that this was like a specific time uh i think oh yeah when oh yeah so when when we went out when so i cannot speak today <laughs> when when i when I, when I was at my school for the lunch prod for not not project uh the 
bring your parent to lunch day. Dad came really late. One that was kind of embarrassing because I was like sitting with my friends without a dad. And then I had one friend that didn't have their dad. That was just embarrassing for us. And then when he came, he took a picture. And then right after that, he spilled something on him with my with all my friends. And I was just like, and he was like talking to me about that. It was just weird for me. I don't know why. I think the answer to that question is that's because that's what dads do is we embarrass our kids. So thank you for helping me relive that one. <laughs> what do you want to be next Halloween? I know that's a ways away, but uh, if Halloween were today, well, tomorrow, I don't know. I would want to be a character from the new being Kanto or an anime character from my hero academia. One or the other. Okay. All right. What should your dad be for Halloween? Oh, you should see her facial expression, and now she's trying to cover a laugh. I think you should relive from when I was like five, when you were the man in the yellow hat from Curious George. Yeah, that's right. You were you Dang. were Curious George, and I was the man in the yellow hat. I should have said Curious George. I changed that. Yeah, and uh, what did we do that was extra fun? What happened to the man in the yellow hat? He died. It. He died, yeah. And what did we do on the church parking lot ground? He laid down like he was dead, and then he hired someone. I don't know. There who. was a girl who was in her lab uniform because she's going into forensic science, so she was like Dexter. Oh, and oh yeah, yeah. Okay, that was kind of. Cool. And then he, she just laid ketchup all around him. And that's then he right. Died and it was bloody and terrible, and it ended up on our church website. And that's probably one of the reasons why we're still a small church. <laughs> that concludes our questions from directly from uh, the Brian and Meat podcast, guys. Thank you very much, and for your quality podcast, I enjoy it greatly as I'm driving around for my work. And now we have one more set of questions from uh, Dan Devilder or Kaiser Soso, as his handle is on uh, Twitter. He says or asks, "Would you rather sled down a hill or read a book?" What kind of book? Because it really depends. I don't know. That's up for you to decide. You can answer it any way you want. What kind of book would be better than sledding? Nonfiction, science, space books. Okay. So the order would be nonfiction, science, and space books, and then sledding, and then fiction books. Sledding is better than fiction? Yes. Okay. So... We've got that all straightened out. And it's actually really snowy where we live, so. Yeah, we just did get like three to six. We got like like four or five inches, didn't we? Five and a half inches. Yeah, hopefully this is the last one. Okay. Would you rather try to hold your breath for 60 seconds or hold a worm for 60 seconds? Worm. One time I was digging in the dirt to find a worm. Well, so me and my classmates had to... Uh, so we had to do this like little mini project thing. We had to find a worm and like study it and write things about it. And then everyone found a worm and they just immediately threw threw it onto their thing and like ew. While I was digging trying to find it. Yeah, you're you're not that grossed out by worms and stuff like that, no. are you? You're my little science girl. Worms are cute. They're little cute shiny animals that should be very loved. Cuter worm or axolotl. Axolotl. <laughs> Axolotl, sorry. Okay. Would you rather drink a glass of milk or Gatorade? I don't I don't like many Gatorades, but I also hate milk. <laughs> so is the answer 
Chocolate milk. Yes. <laughs> Chocolate milk trumps all. Okay. And now final question uh, from our Twitter friends. Uh, would you rather watch soccer with your dad or eat a tablespoon of hot sauce? Oh, you don't like spicy stuff. This is going to be interesting. One time I tried the the least spiciest talkie ever, and I drank my entire carton of dang milk. Ch- ch- a chocolate milk because it was too spicy. I hate spicy stuff. <laughs> so would you rather watch soccer with me than, uh, than eat a, just a tablespoon of hot sauce? This is a hard one for you because I actually don't watch a lot of soccer at home, do I? I spend a lot of time in the car, so I'm usually listening on the radio. And then when you do watch soccer, I think the game's like 10 million years long. (laughs) That is the complaint of many Americans and perhaps others from around the world who are used to a little bit, uh, you know, a little bit more movement in some of the games. Okay, so what's the answer? Watch soccer or eat hot sauce? Technically drink. What's that? Technically it's drink. Okay. One question. Yeah. Can I have the entire fridge worth of drinks? Once you have, once you have, I'll stipulate. Once you have drank the tablespoon, of, uh, tablespoon of hot sauce, you are welcome to do whatever you want after your life. Hot sauce. Hot sauce, rather than watch soccer. But what if we were watching the Fighting Cherries of AFC Bournemouth? Soccer. Soccer. Okay. Now, what if we were watching the formerly cursed team that you have claimed is your favorite Mexican team, Cruz Azul? Yeah. You would rather do Cruz Azul? Okay. So, Fighting Cherries, the Blue Cross that is Cruz Azul, Hot Sauce, watching any other soccer with Dad. Would that be the ordinal ranking? Fair enough. Do you have anything you would like to say to our friends out in Twitter and listener land before we conclude? Thank you for being some of the only people to ever listen to us on this tiny little podcast <laughs> in the small world. Soup, 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 soup. I love the soup from Gentoran. Everywhere to Delaware. That's the way we eat the soup in the USA. Super. Bring forth the bonus matches. Uh, perhaps my favorite part of the show and why in large part, because you helped select what the matches were going to be. Would you like to be able to help soccer noob USA is my handle on Twitter. I put out candidate matches in various polls. The first couple days, each and every week you make your selections and the magic content happens. It is dreamy. Our first match is one that person noob dramatically calls the route, route, route route of 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 the week 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 and you've selected a sunday match as always the route of the week is a first versus last number one psg out of league one in france taking on number 20 in last place Bordeaux. Now, as uh, one of the top leagues in Europe, they max out on European international berths with four Champions League berths and then a Europa and a Europa Conference League berth as well. PSG is going to uh, probably continue running away with this league and easily get one of those Champions League berths. On the other end of things, 
a bit more dramatic. Number 20, Bordeaux, Bordeaux is not a bad team, really. There's a lot of uh, – things are very tight at the bottom of the table in League One, and they've got some good players and some halfway decent stats, as you'll find out shortly. Nevertheless, two teams are going to get relegated. One team will have to play in a relegation playoff match to fight for their League One lives at the end of the year. Here's how the table stands at each end. PSG currently leads second-best Nice by 12. Bordeaux are in 20th, as I said. They trail number 17, Trois, or as they're called in America, usually Troys, uh, by three points. So as you can see, 20, so number 17 through number 20, there's only three points of separation. And with a third of the season to go, anything could happen. But will it happen today? Could we get a route of the week upset? Probably not. But maybe we'll find some cheap chinks in the armor. When the two played earlier this season, it looks pretty close. PSG won on the road uh, by just a two to three score, though they were ahead three to nil. And one of those goals that Bordeaux got was in uh, garbage time, as they would say in American football. The series between these two in recent years, all PSG, as you would imagine, 17 7 and 3 record. You can watch the likely carnage at 8 a.m. Eastern Time U.S. on BN Sports and BN Sports and Espanol if your satellite package runs deep enough. PSG, not tons I can tell you about them that you don't already know. It's one of the most famous teams in the world. I will mention a few things, though. They've got the number one offense in the league. They're the only team scoring more than two goals per match. They've got the second best defense. They don't even allow one. Per match. Uh, tied for second best in league scoring is Kylian Mbappe, the world famous French born forward. Uh, he's really interesting to watch. And something I've been learning lately about him is uh, he's uh, heavily footed one direction. If you see him on the left side of the field for the offense, he's much more likely to try to cut to the middle and score himself. If he's on the right side of the field, he's not so likely to cut to the center and try to score. He's far more likely to try to produce an assist for somebody else. Kind of interesting. Now, I mentioned he was second best in scoring. That's because PSG has a lot of superstars to kind of split their goals between. So I'll ask you and give you a moment to think about it, footy fans. Do you know who the number one scorer in the league is? 3-2-1, I'll tell you. He's out of AS Monaco. Wissam Ben Yedder. Did you get it right? Liar, you didn't get it right. You didn't know that guy. Okay, I didn't know that guy. I don't win anything. What the heck? Uh, also worth noting, Kylian Mbappe and Messi are also tied for number one in the league in assists. Now, something I'm starting to look for for these route of the weeks is, in addition to the good players, where might the weak link be? Where can the other team try to have some kind of success and pin their very uh, threadbare hopes? I think the weak link for this team is the singularly named Brazilian Marquinhos. He is their right center back, but it seems like he ought to be a, a more of just a straight-up center back, um, if that makes sense. He doesn't dribble a lot, and when he does try it, he's not very successful. He's got a, a very low percentage on his tackle rate, so he's not super great at being physical. I think that this is the guy that they want to take the ball right at. As far as the team's current form, they are just 1-0-3 in their last four, which should be able to give Bordeaux just a little bit more hope as well. And they just came home from having lost in um, come-from-behind fashion. Uh, Real Madrid beat them in the Champions League. So I don't think the fans are going to be very happy with them. I think it'll be interesting if this is a big enough letdown match for them that maybe Bordeaux will have a chance. Let's talk about them. I know you know the city name. It's in the west-southwest part of the country. 
ninth biggest in France, uh, 275,000 in the city proper, probably one and a quarter million in the overall metro. You know it is a wine capital of the world, but did you also know that this is a very big aviation and space center in Europe? Additionally, on the science side, they are the home of one of two only megajoule lasers in the entire world. Now, as far as the footy, they're just outside the top 100 clubs in UEFA, but they do have six league titles to their credit. Uh, most recent one was 2008-2009. Uh, they made the Champions League the next year quarterfinal round, and that was the best they've ever done, at the very least in the modern era. I didn't look at any of their pre-modern era stuff, to be honest. They've also made five uh, Europa League appearances uh, since then. Latest one was 2018-2019. Uh, 2012-13 season, they made the round of 16. So this is a team that's had some league and some international experience. They will not be completely overwhelmed in the first five minutes by PSG unless Messi and Mbappe and Neymar are just really, really, really mad about that Champions League loss. Last year, Bordeaux certainly did better. They finished in 12th place this year. Now, it, uh, it goes with our theme for this uh, particular week's episode, but it's not uncommon to see the team in last place. Offense is okay, but they've got by far the worst defense. They give, give up over two goals per match. And despite their slight offensive successes, they have the worst goal differential in the league. I do think that Bordeaux is going to go down, no matter what happens today, quite or not today, but this particular match day, quite frankly. Top 10 scorer, they've got one to boast of in Hwang Yuljo out of South Korea. He plays forward for them. He's even a national team player. He's made 42 appearances for South Korea since 2015, although I don't think he's been called up since 2019. They've also got a guy on the assist leaderboard for the league, Yasin Adli, Frenchman, attacking midfielder, just 21 years old. Um, you wonder how long it's going to be before he gets to move on over to AC Milan. They probably just want him to get a little bit more seasoning. Maybe they'll pull him back over to Italy next year. He actually came up with PSG, though, although he only made one senior appearance for that team, I believe. Team's current form, not that great, to be honest. 0-2-3. Could you be... The most meaningless match in the world. Yes, you could. You're so boring. What other podcasts out there, I ask you, would talk, let alone sing, about two particular teams that are not anywhere near the top or bottom of their leagues? They won't be going to international competition or getting promoted, as is the case for this particular match, or getting relegated. Yeah meaningless. You have selected a Sunday match out of Germany's second Bundesliga, the second division over there. The top two teams are going to get automatically promoted to the top flight. One team will have a chance to move up if they can win a playoff promotion match. And then on the other side of things, two teams are going to get relegated. One team is going to have to play in a relegation playoff match. And these two teams can probably kick back and relax and just keep playing for draws because they're not going to get a sniff of the glory nor have to worry even a little bit about the agony of relegation. Number nine, Car, uh, I've tried to pronounce this one a few times. Karlsruher, we're going to call them KSC uh, versus number 10, Jan Regensburg. Uh, KSC <laughs> currently lead Regensburg by one in the table. They also trail number three, uh, Werder Bremen, by 15. So you can see they're nowhere near getting to even get 
uh, play in that promotion uh, qualification match. Meanwhile, Regensburg, they lead number 16 Dynamo Dresden by just five, but there's so many teams in between that I still don't think they're going to have to worry about uh, relegation at all. Let's talk about KSC first. They've got another unusual nickname. They are known as Eurofighter. Couldn't find anything real quick on the history of that one. Maybe next time, though, if they're not so meaningless. Uh, they play out of the third biggest city in the state of Baden-Württemberg. Uh, if you know much about Germany, this is uh, the state that Stuttgart is the capital of. It's in the southwest part of the country, uh, right on the French border. The biggest oil refinery in the country is here, so it's a very important city for Germany. They also do lots of R&D down there as well. Uh, almost all of their seasons since 1998, they have played in the second or third Bundesliga. I don't think they've ever gotten to move up. That said, they did come out as German champion once long before the Bundesliga era back in 1909. Uh, last year, they finished sixth place in this league. This year, the theme continues. They've got a pretty decent offense and a really crappy defense, number 13 in the league in that regard. Uh, the scoring end, keep in to look for a top 10 score for them in the league is Philip Hoffman. No relation to the actor, I'm pretty sure, the late, great Philip Seymour Hoffman, because the spelling on the last name is different. In any case, he played for uh, Brentford. We're now in the Premier League, but I'm sure, of course, they were in the Championship League when he was with them. And a lot of yo-yo teams that have kind of bounced back and forth between the top two flights here in Germany. And then statistically, your most meaningless player, not very good and yet not nearly so bad, Daniel Gordon, who reps for Jamaica. I'm not sure if he was born there because he's pretty much spent his entire career in Germany. He's a 37-year-old center back. He's got a couple goals and assists. Uh, he played with Dortmund quite a bit, but usually their reserve squad. He's a good tackler, but just an okay passer at best. Pretty meaningless guy. As far as the team's current form, 0-1-2 in their last three with a 4-6 and six goal differential. And now Jan Regensburg, they are from the uh, Bavarian part of the country, east-southeast portion. Smaller town, only about 150,000, but very famous for its interior old town. It is one of the uh, best well-preserved uh, large medieval city centers in, the, in, in all of Europe, quite frankly. And it looks very Italian. In fact, they call it Italy's most northern setting. It's just gorgeous. I googled up some of the pictures. As far as the Jan portion of their name, that was the last name, not first name, of a man who very, very far back in the uh, late 1800s, I want to say, if memory serves, started a very influential gymnastics club and eventually a football club, came to be a part of the organization as well. But a lot of the, uh, for the next 50 years after after him, a lot of the approaches to German gymnastics, uh, you could lay that all at the feet of this particular founder. Uh, this team was promoted to the second Bundesliga in just 2016-17, so being in a most meaningless match isn't too bad for them. Last year, they finished in 14th. This year, pretty much have identical offensive and defensive stats uh, to KSC. Their best player is also their most meaningless player, at least right now, Sarpreet Singh, Indian descent clearly, but he is from New Zealand and plays left midfielder for them when he's not out for a groin, uh, with a groin strain, which he is right now and will be until April. And they miss him something terrible. Five goals and eight assists are what he's brought to the table already. And, and why not be their best player? He's on loan from Bayern, so I'm sure he'll make his way up to the senior squad eventually. But they've missed him. Their form over the last seven 
0-2-5, and they haven't scored it all in their last three matches. And now it is time for match number 13 overall, the third bonus match. That 13 seems appropriate because we're going to look at a couple of sad sack bottom feeders that you have elected. This is the match of... Disappointed! Yes, let there be wailing and gnashing of teeth, pounding of the earth, and tearing of your clothes over the madness over the match of Disappointed. For the third time in uh, probably as many months, you've selected this time as a Tuesday match from Wales, the Premier League. Now, normally I don't mention what happens at the top of the table, but the why of this will become clear, I promise you, even though these are the two lowest teams in the league. In Wales, they get one Champions League berth is all, and then two are going to get to go to the Europa Conference League. Now, this is a league that uh, splits, like a lot of European ones do, into championship round and relegation rounds for the second part of the season. So the bottom half of the league will only be playing each other. And the team that does the best out of those will get to play in a playoff with the sixth, fifth, fourth, and third place teams potentially for a chance to go to the Europa Conference League, get that second berth. Now, two teams are also going to be relegated. Now, when you hear the name, it might give away why. If you follow uh, UK football at all, that's outside of uh, the Premier League. Your matchup is number 11, Connors Quay Nomads versus number 12, Kevin Druids. Now, Kevin Druids is far and away the worst team in this league. They're terrible. They clearly don't want to be there. Connors Quay, on the other hand, has uh, they were in a tie for third place just a couple of days ago. What happened? Well, here's how the table stands now. Connors Quay trail number 10, Barrytown by three. That's the team they've got to pass just to not get kicked out of the league next year. Kef and Druids, here's how bad they are. They trail Connors Quay by 17. They ain't won a game yet, folks. They're really awful. But Connors Quay is what makes this match so interesting. And I don't think when I had these polls up that this had happened. So this is uh, quite serendipitous that we get such a unique situation. They were deducted 18 points for fielding an ineligible player in six matches earlier this season. Here's what happens, and on the surface at least, it doesn't sound like it would warrant quite that harsh a penalty, but I don't make the rules. Um, Only two players can be registered for the team after the August registration window closes, or only one player. They did two players. Whoops. And I don't know if it was intentional or not or what they found, but they know that it happened, intentional or not, and they knocked them down all those points. And now they're in danger of getting dropped down. If you don't know, by the way, Connors Quay are the two-time defending league champions. Normally it's TNS. They've been finishing in second place, and Connors Quay has been winning the league. So this is a really unique situation for them. Now, let's talk a little bit about our old friends, uh, Kevin Druids. Uh, they wish they were Druids, could pull a little magic, might play better ball. They play out of a village of just a few thousand called Kevin Maurer. Uh, they actually play in a nearby uh, village in, uh, I'm going to pronounce it Rosymeter, but where their old ground was in actual Keffen Mower, <laughs> a Tesco, the Tesco grocery store brand over there, bought the land and built a store on it. But they were nice enough to put up some of the money to get them another ground built nearby in Rosymeter. Now, Uh, They haven't had too much success ever, to be perfectly honest, but they did finish in the top half of the league back in 2017-18. 
number five. Uh, they've made two Europa League appearances over the years, but uh, they lost immediately, preliminary or first qualifying round every time. Uh, last year, they finished in 12th place, should have been relegated. Presumably, they got some sort of uh, COVID-related stay of execution, let's call it. As I said, no wins for them on the year. They do have three draws for just three points is all, and their goal differential says everything you want to know. Hold your nose. I'm going to hold mine. So forgive the nasality. 18 against 83 goals for versus against. Do I even need to tell you those are league worsts? Probably not. As far as the team's current form, well, one of their draws was from uh, two matches ago, so they've had a little bit of light in their lives. But obviously, I don't think they have any chance against Connors Quay, who, by the way, reason I, uh, by the way, I mentioned it is only, I want to say, 8 or 11 points behind. I wish I put it in my notes. Behind the 7th place team. It is not unthinkable that they could climb out of the relegation zone and actually get into that playoff and probably, I would say, have a coin flips chance of winning that playoff and still getting to the Europa Conference League. Wouldn't that be something? It was bad. It was awful. I was terrible. Hey, boo! Boo! And that's a wrap on episode 74 of Soccer Noob Rocket America. I hope you had lots of fun and you did lots of learning. And I hope you enjoyed Person Noob's feature as well. I love getting to include her on this. So thank you to her. Thank you to he who is known as simply the management for all of his editing and production wizardry. To Dan, the former Interno Inferno for all of his fire and creative efforts. And to you for listening. We appreciate you taking part in our uh, growing little podcast here. Hope you did some learning and had a lot of fun. We endeavor to create something really unique. And we hope that you will consider passing us on to your footy-minded friends. Until we do it again in a few days, have yourself a fabulous footy week. Take care.